This is Seeking Alpha's Investing Experts Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Rob Isbitz, a Seeking Alpha contributor under the profile Sun Garden Investment Publishing, a formerly Modern Income Investor. Uh, Sun Garden's the company I founded after I sold my investment advisory practice in 2020 after 27 years in that business. I am joined again by my friend and industry colleague and veteran, Matthew Tuttle of Tuttle Capital Management. He is a fellow Seeking Alpha contributor, a highly experienced trader, and very much an ETF innovator. Matthew, how are you today? Doing great. All right. You know, uh, we've we both been professional investors since, I guess it would be last century, right? That sounds weird to say. And we've got all the bruises to prove it. Uh, we made most of the mistakes that you can make as investors, had plenty of success along the way. That's why we survived this long. And that's why we're doing this right now. And uh, we hope that you can learn a lot from our experience. Uh, we are very much uh, trying to be myth busters and we speak truth to the hype. Uh, one additional thing for you to keep in mind, Matthew, uh, on this uh, episode of The Investing Experts. I mean, look, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, about 12.30 p.m. Uh, it is August 2nd. So last night, Fitch, one of the rating agencies, downgrading the U.S. debt uh, from AAA to AA+. May not seem like much. It may not be much. Wanted to get your initial impression, uh, and then I really want to kind of hammer on this for a minute. My initial impression is it's it's not much. I mean, as we sit here, the market's selling off a bit, but you know, I think we're 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 at a spot after this recent run where it doesn't take much for people to start taking profits. The thing I'm monitoring is I am monitoring yields. So, you know, the 10 year is back over 4%. That has not um, typically been a good spot for stocks. But, you know, the past couple times we've gotten at that level, we've come down real quick. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm watching more than anything. You know, if this does bring yields over 4% and keep them over 4%, then I might change my mind. But for now, I think, you know, well, we'll, we'll go above 4%. We'll look around for a while and, and then we'll come back down and this will be much ado about nothing. That was great foreshadowing, unrehearsed, uh, because I'm going to come back to that and the yield curve and the inversion of the yield curve and all that stuff. But first... I, I want to get my two cents in here. So I guess the first musical reference, I'm going to go all the way back to, remember the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Uh, one of the songs from that uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show was Damn It, Janet, okay? And that was my first reaction when I heard Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen responding for the administration, I guess. And this is not intended to be political. I'm not political. I am apolitical. Okay, and, and you'll see why I say that in a minute. To me, I cannot believe that Janet Yellen had the cojones to say that this was arbitrary and based on outdated data. Okay, uh, where is she looking? Uh, we're, this is something that has been building up 
to where it is. I mean, look, not 24 hours later, the Treasury comes out and says, okay, we're going to issue a lot more uh, uh, long-term bonds than we thought. This is all to pay for this debt ceiling mess that wasn't a Republican thing, wasn't a Democrat thing, it was a Congress thing. This has been going on for 30 years. And, you know, yeah, they didn't shut the government down, but all they did was to agree to pay for what they've already spent money on. So, like, that's as far as we've gotten. We haven't even gotten to controlling spending going forward. And now, you know, the tab's $30 trillion and counting. I just heard this morning, actually, on another podcast that... Uh, the interest cost for the U.S. on the debt since last year has doubled because of, of course, all the Fed rate hikes, 11 of them. Um, So it's like, you know, eventually you have to pay for all this stuff. And how do you do it for now? You you issue more debt. What's the debt of the U.S.? Treasuries. And so, yes, we are going to come back to that. But the last thing I want to say about this, Matthew, and then you certainly chime in again. Sometimes you just have to tell it like it is. And what this situation that has led to this maybe largely symbolic downgrade, okay, just like uh, back in 2011, it was a non-event after a little while, okay? But still, I think sometimes, whether it's us as money managers, but in this case, as the U.S. government... Uh, uh, or I should say the U.S. Treasury's standing uh, in the world as the reserve currency. Uh, Sometimes you have to look in the mirror and just say, you know what, we stink right now, just like a sports team does when they lost a lot of games in a row. And we're going to try to do what we can to improve. We already are trying to improve. Uh, Recognize, acknowledge the problem. No more Band-Aids. Fiscal sanity now. Otherwise, an entire generation, which happens to be my generation and and your generation, okay, the folks who have saved all this money, uh, the baby boomers and and, and now the Gen Xers behind them, they're going to be faced with a lot of risks that they are not prepared for. Like, what do you do if you're about to retire on X dollars in savings and all of a sudden it's 60% of X because, uh, you know, the, the, the stock market is reacting to the creditworthiness of the U.S. fading. Um, and, you know, at the same time, cost of living is rising. You know, right now, from a, from a credibility or, or creditworthiness standpoint, okay, um, the United States, we stink and we need to clean it up. Your thoughts? Yeah, so <laughs> a lot there. Um, and you probably don't want to get me started because I would be political. But There's political, only room for one of us to rant on this. Today. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you, yeah. next time you next, next time I'll rant. But I mean, I'm political from the standpoint where I don't like any politicians. Doesn't matter to me what party, you know, the Republicans are, would mess this up and the Democrats will mess us up. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, someone ought to get Janet Yellen a uh, credit karma membership for the, the, the treasury. They are free. Uh, she can get those alerts, you know, when she, she goes over certain amounts. I think it'd be very helpful. Um, and I think if she were watching that, she wouldn't, you know, if she were questioning Fitch, it would be, you know, hey, why, 
What, why are you guys being so light on us? Yeah, it, it, like to me, it just it's the reaction. Anyway, okay, we'll move on to something else. Okay, uh, I do want to get to the uh, uh, to the Treasury yield curve and all that. Um, so, uh, let me ask you this though. Okay, when it comes to uh, let's call it the corollary to what's going on in Washington, okay, with the Fed. Everybody, it seems, everybody, everybody, everybody who manage mon- manages money gets paid fees to manage money and so hopes that uh, uh, the market always goes up, okay? Um, you know, the narrative out there now is, oh, okay, it's going to be, uh, uh, this is all going to end up uh, uh, clean, um, you know, the, the, the narrative is that, uh, the, you know, the Fed is going to get this right. We're not going to have a recession or if it is, we're barely going to notice it, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, you look at all the data, it's all pointing to a soft landing. Uh, you know, the Fed heads are all talking about a soft landing and the market is hoping for a soft landing. Um, you know, I'm not a, not, not a huge fan of the Fed either. Um, you know, I think that they were the ones who caused this mess. They didn't see it when they called it transitory. And I think they're making up the solution as they go along. I think if we do have a soft landing, you know, it's not, you know, wow, look at how Jerome Powell handled this and he created a soft landing. I think, you know, they could luck their way into it. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think whenever you raise rates from zero to 5% in a very short period of time, you're going to have dislocations. And those dislocations are going to come out of left field. Like, you know, a bunch of regional banks going under, you know, all of the sudden. Um, You know, I think you're going to have some other stuff. And certainly if the 10-year stays above four and maybe keeps going up from here. You're going to have some issues. You're going to have some issues in the economy when, you know, this filters into mortgage rates, it filters into small business lending. You know, there there are are a whole bunch of other shoes to drop that we haven't seen yet. But certainly you see this rally, you know, a lot of it obviously is AI and happened after NVIDIA earnings. But a lot of this last, you know, latest leg has been people, you know, kind of assuming, all right, soft landing and the Fed's going to bring rates down very, very quickly. And if that happens, great. If it doesn't, watch out. Uh, that is, uh, as, as one of my industry colleagues like to say, a real tour de force on what is going on right now. And... Uh, you know, you're right. It is it it is an issue right now where we don't know what other shoes are going to drop because that's the way these things work, right? Historically, you raise rates a few times. It could take a year, year and a half before you see really see it roll through the economy. And now you're talking about 11, 12 rate hikes. So I heard a prominent industry voice, won't say who, uh, and it seemed to be goosing what I would call a financial advisor uh, audience about, oh, you should be extending bond duration. You should be taking on more credit risk. 
Does that, at, like at this point, and for, I mean, even before the announcement yesterday by, by, uh, by Fitch and anything that may or may not turn into, okay, because ultimately this stuff all ends up coming down to, yes, there's a fundamental underpinning, but then it's the emotions that take over. So to me, when, when, when you have, let's say, somebody preaching the idea of extending bond duration, taking on more credit risk, at this point in the cycle, with all the risks that we see, does that not say product sale to you, or does it make sense? Yeah, so it says two things. It says product sale, and it says, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, and maybe a combination of both. You know, with, if I can buy T-bills and get 5%, no, I'm not going to extend my duration. Um, I'm not going to add credit risk. You know, I'm going to have T-bills and, and then I'm going to trade equities around those T-bills. To me, that makes a whole heck of a lot more sense. You know, towards the end of last year, coming into this year, we were buying preferreds because I thought you had a better risk mm. reward on preferreds than you did on commons. But, you know, haven't been doing that in a long time because... You know, commons have been doing well here. And yeah, I mean, with T-bills where they are, I, you know, if you're talking about extending duration, if you're talking about to two-year, okay, I'd do that. But, you know, I, I'm not going to buy like 30-year treasuries for anything other than a trade. Yeah. Um, and, and I am buying them this morning because I think they're, might, uh, might pop off some of these lows. But, you know, that's a trade that's not you know, hey, I'm going to hold on to these for a while. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll make for an interesting last few minutes when we talk about what we've been doing, just a little foreshadowing. So, so credit card debt, okay, which a lot of people are eventually going to have to pay off along with student loan debt, et cetera, all part of the, the uh, impact that we haven't seen from higher rates because a lot of stuff has been deferred or people can play little tricks to... to to defer actually sort of paying the piper. So uh, the other 22, in addition to 22-year highs in interest rates after the last Fed rate hike, guess what? The uh, credit card interest rate has now risen to. Um, I don't know. Tell me. 22, 22%? Coincidence. Or maybe 20. not. Can you... Can you, yeah, right. Can you believe that? Okay. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of comeuppance here and we haven't even talked about, uh, uh corporate, uh, bonds. Uh, but boy, I mean, there are a lot of corp bonds going to mature next year. And, uh, you know, I was looking at this at the end of 2020, the, uh, uh the average triple B rating was 2%. And the average double B rating was 3.3. Well, the, uh, about three years later, that triple B average rate has gone from 2% to 5.8. And the double B, which is in the junk category, uh, triple B barely considered investment grade, uh, that triple B, which was 3.3, it's more than double to 6.8. Translation, interest costs have more than doubled. Inflation is eroding profit margins. Tell me how this ends well, but all for, for all but the most stable 
businesses slash stocks, and I'm not even talking about what you pay for them in terms of valuation. I'm trying to find a bullish case beyond it's going up because it's going up in the stock market, which is why the bond market, as we'll discuss in a few minutes, actually looks more interesting to me, even from a tactical standpoint. So, yeah, and, you know, and I can't explain how it ends well, which is why I don't think we're going to give a soft landing. But, you know, mm-hmm. again, I'm not a perma bear. I'm not a perma bull. I trade based on what I see. Um, and if the market is ramping things up under the idea that, you know, we're going to have a soft landing, Fed's going to start cutting rates soon, uh, so all of that stuff you mentioned is going to come back down um, and AI is going to change everything, then, you know, we'll participate with my head on the swivel yep. um, and be looking for whatever opportunities I can to, you know, to add uh, to the short side if, if needed. Um, you know, so far, you know, haven't, hasn't been needed lately. We are, we are speaking from a very similar book, I can tell you that. And by the way, would that be the exact same swivel model that you were using uh, earlier this year or late last year uh, when uh, you were buying those preferreds because you probably were buying with your left hand, but your right hand was on the sell? Yeah, I mean, you know, we were looking to get equity exposure through preferreds, figuring mm-hmm. that that was a better way to do it while tactically doing a lot of shorting, you know, shorting regional banks, shorting commercial REITs. Um, You know, we had a lot of fun with that and I keep watching for for more opportunities. I did short a regional bank today. Um, You know, we'll see. uh, (laughs) We'll we'll see how that goes. It is fun to try to dip back into that trade a little bit, but uh, we'll see. I have uh, taken a slightly different tact. Uh, again, and actually, let me just ask you, were, was the purchase of the preferreds, was that more driven by total return? Or were you thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going for total return because nobody wants to you know, bring in 10% income or 7% income and then you know, lose twice that in principle ever. I don't understand what a lot of that, there's a lot of stuff where people kind of blow off that the, the latter part of that. Uh, were you doing that, uh, were you income motivated or were you total return, truly total return motivated? No, I'm, yeah, I'm never yep. income motivated. Yep. I don't care about income. You know, to me, interest, dividends, capital gains, it's, mm-hmm. it's all green. You know, I don't care about the tax consequences. You know, if, if I get $20, it doesn't matter yep. to me what it is. So, I mean, I know you're... Modern well, income I, investor. I, I was, I was. Um, we retired that name in in in, in favor of uh, going, okay. going going back to the uh, to the base brand, Sun Garden Investment Publishing on Seeking Alpha. Um, but uh, no, well, look, and, and and even when we did use the phrase modern income, okay, it, it still doesn't mean cash on cash necessarily. However, I will say my equivalent, let's call it. Flirtation, although it's lasted a little bit longer, maybe than than you with the preferreds. Um, I do own a few, not huge positions, but you know enough to matter. Uh, uh, positions in 
some of the uh, very structured covered call uh, ETFs where the underlying uh, is the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the TLT. But here's a good example of how I have, and I know I'm sort of cheating in our last little segment here, but, but I, I think it's the right time to bring it up. Um, so, I mean, just in the last you know, few days, seeing uh, what I believe in my chart work was, and not knowing that the Fitch thing was going to happen, of course, I <laughs> couldn't front run that if I tried, uh, but uh, taking the, uh, the TLT and saying, you know, I'm getting this huge covered write, covered call writing dividend, the TLTW is the symbol, um, and I own the TLT underlying. However, I looks to me like we could have anywhere between a, a moderate lift to an explosion higher in long treasury rates. And if we do, A, I want to protect, and B, I want to exploit and try to make money. So what did I do? Bought puts on TLT alongside the other stuff. You can also use the ETF that shorts the uh, the long treasury, which is TBF. There's also TBX, which shorts seven to 10 year. So again, we always try to get the ETF symbols out there for people to go do their own research. Let's uh, talk about this yield curve steepening. We've been kind of moving all around it, okay? And here's my question to you, Matthew Tuttle. The yield curve is going to, it, it, it is inverted. And for those who are not familiar with the vernacular, okay, so one way to look at it is a lot of inversion, or I should say there's a lot of yield curve spreads, but, but the most popular one is two-year treasury, 10-year treasury. In normal times, you would expect that if you're lending the money to the U.S. government for two years, uh, that you're only going to require a small amount of, of return. But if you're lending for 10 years, five times as long, you should get more. Well, funny things happen. Uh, in environments like this where rates are suppressed and put to zero for so long. And uh, one of the uh, sure signs of recession, at least nine out of nine, I believe it is since like 1950, is the yield curve inverts so that two-year yield rises above the 10-year and owes it above the 10-year now, like by a historic amount, not the de decades. Have we seen the two-year above the 10. And you were saying the 10 is now getting up maybe a little toward 4%. So, you know, a lot of people who are sort of new to the bond side of things, you know, they're all equity and, and, and obviously Seeking Alpha has historically been an equity platform. I think one of the things we're hoping to do between ETFs and bonds and some other things is, is help people sort of broaden their, their understanding uh, broaden their opportunity set so they have more investments to choose from that they feel confident in using because they understand it. So you go back to 210 spread and you know, the recession, at least the last nine times, is not when the yield curve inverts, it's when it uninverts. So I've been sitting here for the last couple of months now really starting to look at it closely and saying, okay, this thing is going to uninvert. It's either going to be later this year or first, second quarter next year. So Matthew, how do you think the yield curve ultimately uninverts? Because that is really going to have implications for all these people that have lots of money in like 
really short-term treasuries, and it's going to have implications for people that are maybe, as you were saying, starting to nibble on the long end of the treasury curve. So a lot there. Um, you know, first off, I am not a fan of arguments like, you know, every, every time this happens, this happens. So you see people, well, you know, as, as you brought up, well, every time the yield curve inverts, that signals a recession. I don't care. That doesn't mean this time it is. I think when you've got a situation where you've got an unelected group of unaccountable people, being the Fed, who manipulates the short end of the curve and communicates, you know, to an extent what they plan on doing going forward, you've got the potential for dislocations. Because the Fed does control the short end, the market controls the long end. And bond traders are saying, you know, 10-year rates should be this and 30-year rates should be this. And, you know, I, you know, certainly I think you could uninvert if the Fed decides, you know, hey, we're, we're going to lower interest rates, which I think they'll do at some point. Um, you know, I think they know that the, the market has become addicted to lower interest rates. So I think they'll lower them to whatever, you know, rate that they can get away with lowering them without, you know, causing a whole inflationary cycle again. And the yield curve will uninvert. Uh, we will either go into a recession or we won't. And we'll deal with that when and if it comes. Yeah, well put, well put. And you know, all the other sort of you know, hedge investor sort of moniker that I've had, it was all, call it long short or hedge, but I've actually never shorted a security in my life. I always preferred single inverse ETFs, occasionally levered, but, but very, very low position size, not a big leverage fan. And I like put options, especially when they are giving them away like they are now. I don't know how much work you do in options. I'm not sure how much we've we've talked about this, but, um, you know, everybody's been clamoring, you know, all the all the, the, the you know, sort of day trading uh, bros or whatever have been clamoring to buy call options. And so they're a little more expensive. Puts dirt cheap, dirt cheap. You want to you want to. Uh, have a uh, put some of your money uh, invested in something where I don't know for the next three, six, uh, 12 months, uh, if the market crashes or the VIX flies or whatever, okay, it's there for the taking. It doesn't cost that much, uh, relatively speaking, historically speaking. Um, what, are, what do you think of options? Because I, I don't mind telling you again, this is the the end part of the show where we talk about what we're actually doing. So re recently uh, bought some uh, uh, kind of way out of the money, you know, uh, home run or strikeout uh, kind of thing, uh, puts on the uh, ARK fund, which I know you're very familiar with, ARKK, put, uh, put options out a couple months. I've owned SPY puts for a while. I've owned uh, Q puts for a while. I uh, have added to that on this little dip here. Uh, and the one I'm, I don't want to say excited about because we got to keep the emotions out of it, but um, I really do see that there's a possibility here that, uh, going back to my question and you about um, how does this thing uninvert, I don't think 
at this stage, from what I'm seeing, I do not think that we're going to see, you know, three-month, six-month T-bills dive to 2%. I think they're going to stay, maybe not where they are, but they're going to stay up there. That means if you're going to uninvert, eventually it's going to have to be higher longer-term rates. 10-year out to 30-year, I see it in the charts. I don't know exactly, again, my saying all the time is the market tell, is always trying to tell a story. We just have to listen. And so I'm listening and starting to dip my toe in and maybe more than a couple of toes soon, we'll see, um, buying uh, you know, TBF as the uh, inverse 30-year uh, bond and uh, some way out of the money put options out a couple of months on uh, TLT, which accomplishes the same thing, but with a limited cash outlay because you can't put more than you put up when you buy options. Now, you had mentioned, I don't know, about half an hour ago that you're looking the other way. Again, different time frames. I'm kind of swing trade out the long term. You're a little bit shorter term trader with a lot of stuff. So tell me, uh, and let's close with this and anything else that you are doing sort of around the edges. Um, uh, you know, what, what are you doing in terms of the movement you're seeing in long term treasuries? Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm also a huge fan of options from the standpoint of it really allows you to know exactly what your risk is. You know, you buy a stock, you short a stock, you know, you wake up the next morning and it's up or down 50% against you, you know, you've got a problem. With an option, you know, you're never going to lose more than you put into the option. So you know exactly what your maximum loss is. So huge fan of that. Um, and you are correct, um, you know, shorter term time horizon than you. So in looking at TLT, every time we've come down here, it's bounced. You know, like I was saying earlier, every time the 10-year got above four, it came right back down. You know, it got above four, looked around for a while and came down. Um, we will switch to the short side if I need to switch to the short side. Um, you know, to me, and, you know, I will occasionally short ETFs. I prefer, you know, puts on individual stocks mm-hmm. or outright shorts if, you know, there's not a liquid options market. If there's not about, a liquid what? options market, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it. What, what, what about what? Uh, yeah. What, what, uh, what about if you want to do something in um, related to the bond market? If I were doing something related to the bond market, I'd either I'd probably buy puts on TLT. Um, you know, that's a, a simple way to do it. Uh, right now, I have calls on TLT, you know, which is w- what I did when it hit the bottom. And it's important for people to understand. I, you know, I mean, I, just looking back at all the articles I've, 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 I've written in so many comments, I've tried to answer every comment on Seeking Alpha that I get. And the, you know, understand, just because you know, here we are, two uh, pretty experienced investors, we're, we're, we're taking opposite sides, um, not potentially, obviously, uh, but you know, there's so many different reasons why you make an investment decision, and it's all part of a bigger picture. And one of the things that I would love to see happen, not just CQ Alpha, but really across all, <laughs> let's say, you know, retail and professional investing, is more emphasis on portfolio management 
uh, I don't mean asset allocation like stocks, bonds, uh, 60-40 for the next 30 years. We both, I think, think that's total garbage. I'm talking about things like, hey, you can, like, what, what did I say before? I own something that brings me, you know, TL, TLTW brings me all that cash flow, uh, uh, covered call cash flow from the TLT, and I own TLT. Well, that's a longer-term position. But that doesn't mean I can't go in and try to make money by buying and supporting that position with a put option. Why don't we finish up here with kind of what is, if you maybe sort of put a cherry on top of that in terms of different time frames and the idea that not all investing is, oh, you were right about this, you were wrong about that. So you neither of us is going to go broke if TLT goes the wrong way on us just because we have opposite positions. That's my point. Right. And, you know, again, I'm much, much shorter time frame than you are. Um, so and, you know, much tighter stop. So, you know, right now I'm, you know, positive on my trade. TLT is going the right way, but I've got to stop. And if that stop gets hit, I'm out. And then if I see it setting up again, I'm back in. Um, I don't know that I would short it down here. Uh, just because, again, looking at the way the chart set up, so every time it gets down here, it's, it's bounced. So, you know, my, and, and whenever I kind of go into it, you know, some charts to me are bi-directional. You know, hey, if it does this, I'll go long. If it does this, I'll go short. But given my macro view and other things, a lot of times I'm looking at charts and it's one direction. Either I'm long this name or I'm out or I'm short this name, you know, and I'm out. So like, you know, right now, after the massive rally in regional banks, I don't think I'd go long regional banks, but I would look for opportunities to short them. You know, same thing with treasuries. I don't think I'd short them down here. But I'd look for opportunities to go long. And what a perfect way to help folks listening to understand that's how you can have different time frames side by side. Everything Matthew just said, I agree with. I am looking at at least the possibility, and again, with a trickle of money now, not a deluge, but I am looking at the TLT situation saying, hmm, 10 to 30 year treasuries, Crossing for the ten-year crossing four percent, I think there's at least a fighting chance that before it's done, we won't just hit five; that we we might hit six, we might even hit more. And if we do, that runaway is something I want to have a little kernel of my portfolio, a small piece of it, ready to ready to exploit, um, and I'm willing to be. Uh, let's say, wrong a little um, uh, in order to try to be right a lot. As I like to say, big, take big shots with small amounts of money. Anything else before I uh, read this uh, legal thing that I'm supposed to read before we finish? The only other thing I'd say, keep an eye on this whole superconductor quantum computing area. It's starting to really heat up. You've seen some big moves in some of these stocks. Uh, you know, that, that's something that, you know, could turn out to be a couple day wonder trade that goes by the wayside, but it also could be the start of something. Excellent.
Excellent. Uh, thank you. We now have, I would say, at least two ideas you planted in my head. One is, uh, I've got to ask you more about quantum computing because uh, what I know probably fits on the head of a pin. And uh, the other is options. Uh, maybe we'll even do an options episode. What do you think? Cool. I'm up for that. Great. Okay. So... Thanks for listening to the Investing Experts podcast. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. At times, myself, Rob Isbitz, or my co-host, Matthew Tuttle, may own positions in the securities mentioned, full transcripts for all of our episodes. And we invite you to take full advantage of Seeking Alpha and become a premium subscriber. You can learn more about how to do that at seekingalpha.com slash subscriptions. For Matthew Tuttle, I'm Rob Isbitz, and we'll uh, see you next time.